when I started the album All Things Must Pass I was just trying to do a record and uh, I had so many songs that I just recorded one after the other and just kept doing backing tracks and one day I thought I better uh, check out what's going on here and I had 18 tracks also the accountant at Abbey Road came down the stairs and said is this record going to take much longer so I thought well I think that's probably enough and uh, decided to put them all out at once Welcome to this week's Monday with Fab. I'm Ed Chan. And I'm Lonnie Pena. So, Lonnie, uh, our weekly McCartney 3 update. Paul is appearing on a special edition of Rolling Stone with one Taylor Swift. Now, when was that photograph taken? Uh, October. October. Okay. So that's yep. r- uh, fairly recent, obviously. Where are their masks? <laughs> Did they isolate for 14 days prior? <laughs> <laughs> There's a protocol to follow. <laughs> <laughs> Says the safety manager. But yeah. uh, the interview is online. If you haven't had a chance to, to read it, it is a really great interview. Yeah, it's it's just Paul and Taylor Swift. And, you know, there, there's a couple of the old chestnuts. Okay. But they do talk a lot more about the songwriting process and uh, the, the business of rock down. You know, both of them have an album which was written and recorded okay. entirely during Rockdown. So, is that the purpose of the cover connection? Was the uh, Rockdown? Yeah, you know, I would, I would guess so. Uh, that and you know, she's friends with the McCartney girls. So, right, right. I, I find it amazing, though. You know, Paul McCartney. You know, nearly eighty years old on the cover of the Rolling Stone still. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, nearly 60 years or so coming up here in a few more years. It'll be 60 years. He's still doing it. He's still, it's still oh, amazing. Absolutely. Still amazing. No, no, the biggest revelation which came out of that interview was that had things gone the way they should have gone in 2020, he would have invited Taylor Swift up with him uh, at his Glastonbury show and they would have done a duet on Shake It Off. That would have been so much fun. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Uh, 
it, it may sound a little bit like coming up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they did sort of an ad lib version a couple years back at the, the SNL after party, if you'll remember. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Funny. Well, we're still anticipating uh, this show is going to be out before the album release. Before, before the album release. And then, then yeah. the other things that have come out recently that are still around uh uncut magazine the uh, the new issue has paul as uh, as the cover story and they okay. have some okay. special goodies a poster and some various other things and then the reviews have started coming out and they are all uniformly very good yeah I, yeah i noticed that from what i've seen on on the internet across the board you know every, everyone's fairly positive reactions about this um this upcoming album by paul mccartney four four out of five at least or you know eight and a half out of ten is what i hear we anticipate a really good album we'll see while we're waiting on that we've been doing a bunch of lennon and mccartney shows and then of course our anthology show the last two weeks with the with our good friends kiddo tool and ethan alexanian yeah, that's right. So we're going to switch gears here a little bit today, I suppose. We've been trying to think about a, a, a George Harrison topic. We would love to do an All Things Must Pass show, but we wanted to kind of hold off on that because we're pretty certain a Box is on its way sometime in 2021. Yeah, you think so? Danny said that there was going to be a re-release back before COVID. You know, back at the end of last year, he kind of said, well, we're working on something, and there'll there'll be a re-release next year, meaning next year, 2020. Wow. And then yeah. then in the interviews with the Lennon Box, they also mentioned that they've been doing uh, remixing on stuff for George Harrison. So I mean, okay, well, we we'll just know. have to wait and see. Obviously, uh, everything has been sidetracked uh, here in 2020. So uh, looking forward to that. So what are we going to be discussing today, Ed? What we settled on is one of my favorite Dutch imports of all time. Is it? Is it? Which one is I, I would say so. I guess the first time I saw it, uh, there was a CD and a vinyl release on Strawberry Records in the mid-90s. Okay. I, I have the vinyl of uh, this particular LP album release, under underground release, I should say. Uh, and, and so the, the title of this disc is Beware of Abco. And what is Abco? What is that acronym? Allen and Betty Klein Company. The ironic thing about that is George was still buddies with Klein when he recorded this tape. So was he joking or was he making a dig <laughs> at Paul or who knows? Yeah, who knows? That's right. So what we're going to be discussing today is uh, this bootleg called... Beware of Epco, which is, I guess, these are demos for All Things Must Pass. It's it's kind of post-demos and pre-early run-throughs, I would say. Okay. It reminds me a lot of that uh, that second disc we got on the Flaming Pie box. Yeah, it does. But it's it's basically George Harrison, right? And, and Well, it's George Harrison and, and, and an unnamed friend. There's someone playing or learning the bass parts. Maybe it's Klaus, but it's never been identified who exactly that is. Okay. But essentially, it's just George Harrison. Essentially, it's it's just George Harrison. Yep. Maybe sometime in the future, we'll talk about some of these other discs. I mean, you know, we got like 
six or seven CDs full of early mixes and outtakes of uh, yeah. all things yeah. must pass up. Okay. Nine. One, two, one, two, three. All Things Must Pass is an amazing, amazing album. And to this day, it remains one of my, my favorite Beatles solo albums, along with several others. But uh, can you believe, though, it's going to be 50 years? Outrageous. At the end yep. of November, this album release was 50 years ago. What did it actually come out in the States? Well, I have a release of November the 27th. So much like our anthology show, this is coming out uh, just about on the 50th anniversary of uh, All Things Must Pass. Right. Because right. the, the folks will be hearing this on uh, the 23rd of November. Okay. So that, that, w- that would be this week, folks. This week. And, you know, what's amazing also, of course, production back in the day, recording of an album was only a few months before the album was released. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, what, six months before an album was released? They Even three months, they started working on this thing. Um, yeah, so, so, the, the so Beatles, pretty quick. The, pretty quick the Beatles had finished in <laughs> early January, and George was kind of tooling around with some of this stuff, trying to figure yeah. out what he wanted to do. And then in, uh, I guess it was May, uh, May the 1st, he and Dylan got together, and, yeah. and there's uh, on the Dylan side, there is a there's a really nice bootleg of uh, Dylan and George having some fun. to the Beatle Monthly, the pre-production of this of All Things Must Pass began May the 20th, which was the same day as the Let It Be film world premiere. Huh. And Great. as we know, none of the Beatles attended. <laughs> so we know where George was. He was demoing this stuff for Phil at that time. I mean, that's, right. that's almost exactly when, when it would have been. Like you say, you know, he, he returned from his time with Dylan, and there are a couple of Harrison Dylan tracks 
that he performs on this disc here. Yeah. And this wasn't the first album release by George. Yeah. What he had, what, two albums prior to well, all things electronic past. sounds and if you uh, call them, I mean, they're not like, I guess, singles type of album and Wonderwall <laughs> music. But, you know, yeah, well, no, Wonderwall music could have actually conceivably had they wanted to sell it as as a pop record they might have been able yeah. to do that but i mean wasn't there some controversy surrounding electronic sounds though the very brief version is that george when he had the moog installed uh he had the installer demonstrate the moog and george uh either slightly or not at all rewrote some of the uh the things that were performed on that day and that went on the electronic sound album yeah okay that's the very very brief version beware of abco is available on youtube in its entirety so if you're looking to hear it there's one place you can go and find it without yes yeah absolutely and you mentioned earlier that you you first acquired this in the early 90s, maybe, on a CD? Uh, yeah, 92, 93, 94, yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah, I remember buying the um, the vinyl of, of this release. So, I, you know what? For some reason, though, it didn't catch me all that well. I didn't. Uh, this wasn't my favorite bootleg, and I didn't play it that much uh, at the time for some reason. I, of course, with, you know, early 90s, you know, with Again, kids and everything. Kids and, yeah. But, um but yeah, so it's, it's this is like thirty years. It's been around these outtakes. So there's fifteen tracks on this album. The opening track is a, is a run of the mill. It's it's a run through. I like run of the mill. Uh, you know, just something about the words. Great song to start an album, but uh, again, yeah, it's just George and acoustic. George on acoustic. He's in the studio. Was this not recorded? These demos at Abbey Road. I, I don't absolutely Maybe. know that for a fact, but I believe so. so. Yeah, that starts the bootleg, run of the mill. Beautiful vocals, by the way. Yeah, no, he, he's Beautiful singing vocals. great. He's singing great, which unfortunately can't be said for every track on here. None of them are terrible, but they do get a little bit rough along yeah. the way. Uh, Vocal-wise, this is probably as good as it, as it gets for George. Yep. Wonderful acoustic guitar performance. Which, once again, it's just George and the acoustics. Yeah, uh, guitars. It's a wonderful, wonderful song. And, and this version we do have available legitimately. Uh, it was on the uh, the George Harrison disc early takes. This version. So, this version, yes. So two of the songs on this disc have been released legitimately. Okay. So next up was Art of Dying. One of my favorites. Yeah, I love the chord progression. And you hear this chord progression on many Beatles songs, you know, not not as apparent as this one. And you you heard it, you hear it later in other George Harrison songs. They're diminished chords, which give it an, a really nice melodic sound to it. Although he hasn't completely written the the guitar, he hasn't completely yeah. uh, figured out the track. The lyrics he's figured out pretty well, I think. Yeah, I think so. And again, this these are nice vocals on this. I, I, I can appreciate the fact that George, he's always been in, in behind the scenes with respects to John and Paul. But not only is his guitar playing improved over the years, but his, I think at this point his vocals were probably at his, at his best. 
Well, uh, and there's no question that Phil Spector is sitting behind the board because, uh, you know, yeah. for, for no real need at all, he starts to turn up the re- reverb. It, it, cre- <laughs> it creeps up a little bit du- during the course of the tune. Yeah, let's put a little bit of Spector on the, uh, on the demo even, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so... Yeah, I, I don't know what that would have been a reference to. Was there an actual Fernando's Hideaway? Because it makes me think of the the character on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Sounds you, more you like a, marvelous, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it sounds more like a beach comb or something. I don't know. He is the one with the beard, not Yasser Arafat. I'll tell you that right now. It's up close. It's almost frightening. And she is the one with him. Please welcome my friends. <laughs> The beautiful and talented actress, Miss Barbara Bach. Hello, darling. And her husband, an equally good friend of mine, Mr. Ringo. Now, help me with that last name. Star. It's Star. You see now, on the bio, you have three friends here. That's fantastic. (laughs) The bio said Star with two R's. And all week I've been going star, and I was not sure to stop, you know, because the language is still fairly new to me. I have American teeth and a Spanish mouth, if you know what I'm saying to you. My friends, you feel the excitement at home. You know who you are. The studio was nuts all day, security crazy, and it's easy to tell why. Barbara, you look marvelous. Absolutely marvelous, eh? Thank you. I guess about a month after this, Phil had gone off on, he had some health issues. And so he had to, oh, to okay. leave the sessions for about a m- couple of weeks. And so uh, while he was ill, George had sent him a, a tape of, you know, where they were currently. And okay. Phil actually made some notes on where the tracks were. It's really interesting reading. Uh, there are copies all over the internet. Okay. Okay, and this was, um, we might add here that the Out of Dine was one of the songs that had been in George's back pocket for a while. Yeah, I, I mean, mean he, like three or four years. Yeah, he first wrote it uh, probably, you know, 66. Yeah, it was yeah. it was kind of his answer to uh, She Said, She Said, you know, Peter right. Fonda and I Know What It's Like to Be Dead, so. Right, there are no demos of that, are there? Any Any rare recordings from that there's, era no there, there's no there's no Beatle version of Beatles, it okay. i mean the only reason we know this is george says that well i've had i've had this around <laughs> for three or four years yeah but certainly with the uh, chord progression and so forth you can visualize the song as materialized already in his head by by this demo nice very nice Okay, the third track is, uh, uh, at that time it was called Everybody Nobody. Uh, we know it better as the, the Ballad of Sir Frankie Crisp. Yeah, he mentions that. Does he not in, the, in this song? Well, or, I mean, the, 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 lyrics, the lyrics were there. Right. right. Uh, you know, and, and the Sir Frankie Crisp chorus was there, but he called the song Everybody Nobody. This is a <coughs> everybody nobody. Were there, was there a um, other than the Phil Spector? Was there another engineer? 
Oh, or an operator, I wonder, in the studio. We don't know. We don't know. Okay. You know, we're 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 not sure of what. Oh, like I say, you know, we don't even know who this mysterious bass player is. <laughs> the mystery man. You know, uh, uh, we 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 suspect it's Klaus Warman, but so speaking speaking of yeah. the uh, the bass player, uh, the next track is clearly one that George has worked through with this bass player. You know, you hear him sort of plunking along, maybe trying to learn the songs right. uh, on the first three, but on Wawa, it's clearly a finished arrangement with the guitar and the bass. And this is George picking up the electric guitar for the first time. Yeah. And you, you can, you, you know, as a musician myself, you can kind of hear he still, I don't know if he's still working on it, but he's he kind of stumbles on on that on the wah wah part of it. He's obviously using a wah wah pedal, and so you can hear he's still stumbling on the um, I guess the usage of the wah wah pedal as well as the electric guitar. The pedals were relatively new at that time. Were they? I, I don't. I know Hendrix was, you know, probably by what '67 he was using a wah wah pedal. Um, so it relatively new, probably three or four years. Um, but I mean, you know, there's also the stories of of Jimmy actually having to use the 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 whammy bar and, and doing it that way. Yeah. So yeah, which I mean, which gives it a whole different sound. Um, but but yeah, but you're you're right. But it's still it's on this particular song. It sounds like Harrison was still working on the uh, the uh, effectiveness of using the wah wah. Yeah, no, no, no. very definitely. The, the yeah. solo is is the one thing that he really hasn't figured out quite mm-hmm. yet. So he's still working on that, and I think he's still working on some of the lyrics. As all of these songs, he's still working on on some of the lyrics. Now that's not to say that these versions aren't worth listening to. This is a great disc, you know, separate from its value as the demos for all things must pass. Yeah. And wasn't Wawa like directed to Paul? Well, <laughs> from maybe. the backstory of it. <laughs> so they say, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like the Charlie Brown when the adults talk, all you hear is Wawa. <laughs> And, and apparently and, that's what Harrison was all during the get back sessions. All he heard was when McCartney would talk to him. Well, <laughs> wah, it's, it's, wah. It, it, yeah, it's the get back <laughs> sessions. And then the, the other thing that he's referenced is the at the endless Apple meetings. Yeah. You yeah. know that he, he didn't want to be there and, and he just had to sort of listen to them doing all this business. And it's like, you know, I'm no, I'm not interested. Well, that's when he left and uh, when he recorded, he'll come, here comes his son. <laughs> right. <laughs> On one of those occasions, and now yeah. now we now we get into the special tracks because you know we got what four or five tracks which uh, George didn't record at this time or, or uh, you know some of them he never recorded officially at all. Some of them yeah, took yeah. many years to come out. Yeah, I, I didn't. I'd never heard this. Phil, this is the one window window, and it's a bit silly. Are you ready? Uh, I don't think anywhere up to this song you you knew that Phil Spector was there. 
because uh, he's talking to Phil. Obviously, he's behind the board. And uh, one thing I will mention, there is a, a fellow named uh, Walrus Z on YouTube who has done backing for all of these tracks. and is really good backing. He did some pitch adjustment on the vocals he he finished he more or less finished up the vocals like they would be and then did a full band backing and it's in the style of george harrison okay but this is a fan-based tribute yeah yeah this is a fan-based thing i once knew a beautiful girl so, but the song that we're talking about is was what window 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 window. George describes it as being a bit silly. Yeah, yeah, it was one uh, that apparently the Beatles turned down. Uh, yeah, with many of his songs at the time. Yeah, he he, he yeah. apparently demoed it during the the get back sessions, and it's like nope. Okay, you watch us. We're gonna do this now. You just watch okay, us. boys. Now, come on, pull yourselves together. Not gonna do it. Yeah, this. I don't know. This song's. You know, I can see why maybe <laughs> the Beatles turned them down. <laughs> yeah, I hate to say that. <laughs> uh, you know, I could see that uh, had he finished it, it would have been a really great song. There's enough there that it's not worthy of just sort of sitting on the cutting room floor. You know. Yeah. The lyrics are a little bit nonsensical, but, you know, George is having fun and the guitar is really nice. Yes, it is. So, I mean, you know, that's what I'm saying. I think there was a song there had he gone back to it and finished it. And of course, uh, you know, George was one who never threw anything away and had had he not had his issues, we may well have gotten a final version of that yeah. someday. Well, you you never know. Know. We may one day, maybe uh, maybe Danny will go in and do something with it. Just quickly, I think of From a Window, which was a Beatles well, song that um, they never recorded. They never recorded, but... Uh, <laughs> Next up is Beautiful Girl, uh, which, uh, you know, talking of songs which hung around forever, we finally got on 33 and a third. Yeah. When I picked up this bootleg and I heard Beautiful Girl, I was like, my jaw dropped. This had been around for a while. And um, it's a lovely song. I love this. This is one of my favorite songs on 33 and a third with the chord, again, beautiful chord progressions beautiful guitar work and that's all done you know it is it was done at what 1970 1970 yeah i'm and, surprised and, it didn't make it on um uh, it didn't make it on living in the material world you know which was his next album three years later well i mean you know and and that's the amazing <laughs> thing you know you look at these tracks and then you look at the other things that we know were around that uh, he hadn't recorded yet you know he had another full album worth of material that he could have put out the following year the there, following exactly. year you, you yeah. got you got five songs here and we know that not guilty was certainly around 
Uh, Circles was still around. He could have repurposed Sour Milk Sea again with him singing lead. You know, there's three quarters of an album. Artists were, they were putting out albums like every, what, 14 months? <laughs> yep. Certainly he could have put out at least another or maybe two albums before Living in the Material World, which didn't come out until, what, the summer, I believe, of 73. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, just, just you know, not even the fact that he could have re- recorded them. He had the material written. You know, it was just sitting there. Right, but, right. Uh, so a lot of stuff on the shelf that he, um, he just left on the shelf for quite a while. Yep. Uh, and, and I will say uh, it makes a lot more sense to me uh, for him to be uh, referring to uh, uh, the, the kind of girl you go handing around in 1970 than a couple of years later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, particularly given well, what was going on with, with himself and, and right, Eric, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, well, well may, maybe they're just handing Patty around. Well, yeah. we, won't, we, won't, we won't go there. So. We won't go there. Okay. Okay, so uh, then uh, next up is one which uh, George says that he's just written. It's uh, Beware right. of Darkness. Right. A few words still needed for the album. A few more lyrics. Yeah. But um, again, it's just George and acoustic, as, as most of these songs are. So, and, and um, good song. Very good song. Yeah, the, the guitar is kind of simple. A lot of the lyrics, uh, including the one... Uh, you know, a lot of people comment, oh, gee, George was writing about that last Beatles photography session, but those lyrics weren't there yet. No, no, not at all. So I don't know what this was. It, it, Beware of Darkness. This is not directed to uh, Alan Klein, is it? Or, well, I mean, you know, as I say, Al, Alan Klein was still his buddy at that point yeah. in time. The, uh, the idea apparently came from uh, the, the Krishnas who were oh, staying okay. with him yeah. at Friar Park. Uh, apparently one of their, their big things at the time was to, was to tell George to, to beware of Maya. Okay. Beware of Maya. And uh, Maya being sort of the, the illusion of yourself. Okay. Maya Love, wasn't that later? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another exactly. Song. Another exactly. song. So that went from there, and that uh, that's where that came in. And so George wrote Beware of Darkness. And as we mentioned earlier, I don't know what the Beware of Abco line is about. You know, it's a Klein reference, but that's Klein was a buddy. So maybe that was a dig at Paul. Yeah, possibly. And then we hear that George is uh, having a little bit of, of a coughing fit. <laughs> <laughs> the one yeah. thing about this disc is that it's a 45 50 minute disc but there's probably a good 10 minutes of uh silence and stuff between takes yeah yeah so you gotta listen carefully and beware of silence <laughs> <laughs> okay uh then next up is is let it down which uh we were to get on uh, the second side of all things must pass yeah nice it's one of my another one of my very favorites <laughs> um the release version that is on all things must pass uh great guitar work I always thought this guitar work was just incredible by george it's even maybe slightly rockier in his demo form than yeah uh, Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. And then, then uh, he makes that he makes that uh, offhand comment about uh, uh, ba do da shooby doo wop. Ba do Yeah, a little bit of youthfulness is coming Exuberance, from yeah. the fifties. The next one is uh, the the first of the uh, Dylan Harrison tracks. 
that actually doesn't appear on the 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 demo the, the Dylan side of the demo. Uh, tell me what has happened to you. That's kind of a neat song. Yeah, it's it's a it's a funny song. It's kind of odd. Uh, yes, odd, odd is odd, odd is correct. Not not you know. I don't know. It's a it's a strange song. Very strange song. I don't know what to make of it. To be honest with you, it sounds a little bit like a John Lennon song. Uh, okay, then uh, the next up is. Uh, Hear me, Lord. Is that okay? So that was on All Things Must Pass. That was on side four I mean, of All Things Must Pass. He's playing electric guitar on this demo, and it it sounds like it's pretty much complete for the most I part. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's, I don't have too much to say about this demo version. It, it's it's good. He's ready to be recorded. Yeah, yeah. It's it's good to go. And it's interesting of of the tracks we get here. Well, Run of the Mill was on side one. We get Wah Wah from side one. Uh, uh, we get Let It Down from side two. We get Beware of Darkness from side three, and we get Art of Dying from side four. And Hear Me, Lord from side four. Okay, but uh, so anyway, cleverly placed. Yep. Uh, then next is uh, is nowhere to go. Hmm. Nothing to do. Nowhere to go. Isn't that a where was that from? That's a Beatle lyric somewhere, right? Not, oh, good morning, good morning. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is George on electric guitar. It's an unusual song. It's a Dylan song, is it not? Or was co-written with Dylan? Tell me about writing that with Bob Dylan. Well, it was just one of those simple things. I just happened to be invited to Woodstock by the band. I spent some days with Bob and... Uh, I suppose we just got round to picking up guitars and we were just, you know, he was saying, hey, what about those, show me some of them chords, those weird chords, and and that's how that came about. It's like a strange chord, really. It's called G major seventh, and it's got all these major seventh chords, so, you know, and we just kind of turned it into a song, so it's really nice. George was demonstrating chords, you know, again, you were talking about diminished chords to mm. Dylan that Dylan hadn't been using and Dylan just started writing words. Okay. And that was apparently how this song came about. So it was like a brainstorm. It was like a brainstorm <laughs> session. And, uh, and some of the lyrics uh, include the lines, uh, I get tired of being Beetle Jeff talking to the deaf. <laughs> Every so time, so, some whistles getting blown, and the, then later, uh, I, I get tired of being Beetle Ted talking to the dead. Every time, some Bobby's getting blown. You know, that, that's a little bit of humor there. No, it may it may be a little reference to John Lennon, possibly. Uh, possibly, like I don't believe in you know Zimmerman. Uh, maybe <laughs> I don't maybe. believe in you know Elvis and so forth. And then, then he's he. Some of the other lyrics are, sound like he's talking about the his bust, you know. From we were talking about Pilcher and his bust, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, there's there's lines which specifically refer to to the cops busting in and uh, pushing him around and trampling him to the ground, you know. Right, right. So this this song has not appeared anywhere then. No, not not at all. Other, other than this this bootleg, okay. And yeah. you know, there's enough. Like I say, there's enough there that 
this is a song that I would love, not just for the for the for the Beatle references. And and by the way, Beatle Jeff, this was years before Jeff Lynn was part of the Beatles inner circle. Right. right. But uh, not, yeah, who could be Jeff Beck? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I you know who knows? Who knows? I think he's just pulling pulling a name, and it may not. Again, it may not have even been George who came up with it. It may have been or Jeff Emmerich who came up. Jeff Emmerich. Uh, there you go. It could be it could be Jeff Emmerich, but. Uh, yeah, and Jeff Emmerich may be the other engineer that you're uh, guessing is present. Yeah, yeah, because I believe he was he was involved. I mean, this was at Abbey Road, by the way. So, but or possibly anyway, at so Abbey Road. so the, uh, this song, it's fun. Their lyrics, uh, it's not finished by any course of the imagination, but it's one that could be finished. Yeah, and you only hear it here, folks. And then, okay, so so next up is uh, the two more completely unreleased tracks, uh, Cosmic Empire, which I really like. Yeah, this is one. I feel that it could have been easily like on Dark Horse or uh, Extra Texture. What it reminds me a little bit of is the Time Bandits. Yes, yes. That's right. I was trying to pinpoint where this i felt like i heard this before somewhere maybe he used some of the chorus for that uh, he might yeah. have and the lyrics here are not at all done but he says that uh, he makes mention of that and he says well the the main thing the main reason that it exists is for for the for the girls to be singing in the background yeah so he he was uh did he was an electric or something and he changed to acoustic well, he, he, he starts one. out with he the starts, with the electric, and right. then he just plays a little bit on the electric, and then he says, "No, I, I don't want to do it. I want to uh, actually, I'll do it on the other one." Yeah, so he he goes on to uh, to acoustic. There's a lot of potential in this song, and I don't. It hasn't been released ever, right? This is one that we haven't correct seen correct. anywhere else. So, um, yeah, I feel the spirit of this is in Time Bandits. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, jaunty is how yeah. I like to describe it. <laughs> Absolutely. And George will get in that mood sometimes. Cosmic Empire. What a title. Next up is the last of the completely unreleased songs, Mother Divine. Hmm. The first thing I thought of when I heard this uh, particular song was Mother Superior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, this song is really not done. No, it's not at all. Uh, it's it's <laughs> pretty much a it. it's pretty much a chorus in search of a couple of verses. Yeah, it's definitely a song you know that was looking for something else, but it never appeared anywhere else at all. So this is one that we probably will never see again. And then the album closes out with two Dylan co-writes. Yeah. The first being uh, "If Not for You," which we're uh, all very familiar with. Yeah, that was actually uh, kind of interesting how that song came about because I, I think he recorded it with George, right? 
There are three 1970 versions of If Not For You. The May 1st, which is a little bit slow relative to either this one or the version Dylan would eventually release. Yeah, because Dylan released this um, October, I believe. Exactly. Of 1970. And it appeared on, you know, the album All Things Must Pass a month later. So, yeah, there were, there were three separate recordings. Well, four, if you include this one, four separate recordings, if not yeah. for you, to, to George and to Dylan. Right. It was never uh, released by George as a single, unless you count the B-side to, I think it was uh, My Sweet Lord, a Mexico release. Yeah, I believe so. But it was it was on Bangladesh album. And my favorite version is actually from from Bob Fest. You know, the, the yeah. Bob Dylan anniversary, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, George, George and the superstar friends did it live. And that's a great version of this. Yeah, tune. this is a good song. I mean, it got a lot of mileage. Olivia Newton-John released this also in the early 70s, and she had a, a hit with it. It's a good song. It's a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, and then the last song on the disc was I Don't Want to Do It. Another Bob Dylan song. That's another Dylan song. George would finally resurrect it, not this version, but he would re-record it in the 80s. And uh, it was, it presaged his comeback. It was the song on the uh, Porky's Revenge soundtrack. Right. Right. I remember I bought that soundtrack CD just for this song. <laughs> And uh, I don't think Bob Dylan ever released this, did he? Uh, I don't think so. I looked for it on YouTube. I couldn't find a version with Bob on it. This was considered for All Things Must Pass. Yeah, Dave Edmonds went a little bit too far, I think, with the production on the Porky's Revenge. Yeah. We don't need horns. We don't need orchestras. We don't need synthesizers. It's That's it. It's the song. Yeah. Was this on the credits for the movie? Or was it in the movie? I believe it comes out of a radio in in a scene during the film. Okay, okay, and so a little little overproduced. Then is what you're thinking? Yeah, that's my thought. But this version is great, actually. It is. Again, it's just acoustic um, with, with uh, George. That's what so you get. That's our summary of this this boot. You got 15 tracks. Two of them have been. Uh, released legitimately you know there's four which are completely unheard in any other form yeah and uh, all of these were recorded uh, to our knowledge i guess at abbey road studios mm-hmm. this is like a first run through i guess maybe well they, we they clearly know. are because you know george yeah. is is introducing these songs like phil has not heard any yeah of that's them. right that's right so first run through book me some studio time would you for a f- first run through and, and charge it to the Beatles. <laughs> I, I read somewhere where uh, John and Yoko like popped in to one of the um, the sessions when he was recording All Things Must Pass. And, um, you know, it felt like somebody wrote, I cannot remember who wrote this, but, um, you know, George was a little kind of timid about it. But he, he played John and Yoko some cuts from the album and, um, they they loved it. So can you imagine, you know, walking into the walking into the studios and not really telling any other Beatles that you're in there recording <laughs> and pops here come here comes John and Yoko. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing here? Why are you yeah, here? I guess that would have had to have been uh you know, before they went off to Los Angeles. 
Yeah, it must have been. Because, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Arthur uh, was living with John for a couple months in late spring, early summer. And that was when he started doing Primal. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So this... And then, you know, when was George recording this in May? Yeah, th- this would have been uh, this would, would have been, been uh, mid mid to late May. You know, this may well have been the, the tape that George played him. Yeah, possibly. So, I mean, w- when it would have we can, well, we can pinpoint it exactly. So, uh, if this were mid-May and we know that uh, they had complete run-throughs of everything for the album by early june early to mid-june because that's when specter had to take off for health reasons so somewhere in that month is when that would have had to have three to four week period there and one thing i will say notice the one song that isn't here which all things must pass is known for my sweet lord i guess you're right yeah the billy preston version had been recorded and i think was even out by this point in time so Either George wasn't going to include it on the album, or he he felt he didn't need to demo it. Uh, you know, f- okay, Phil, just go listen to the Billy Preston version to get an idea. Oh, yeah, that's true. That could have been the case as well. All right. Talk to you next week. Be safe. Subscribe to When They Was Fab on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are found. Please join our Facebook group, and we could be reached at When They Was Fab and on Gmail. The opening theme was written, produced, and recorded by Jay Young Kim, Beaster Famine Studios, San Francisco, California. Both you and John Lennon chose to use Phil Spector as producer for your first proper solo albums. How come Mr. Spector? Well, we knew him a little bit. He was uh, he needed a job, <laughs> and Phil was around. If you remember, he was brought in to London by Alan Klein when we'd done the record Get Back, or the Let It Be became the Let It Be record. Let It Be was supposed to be just a live recording. And we ended up doing it in the studio, and it wasn't, nobody was happy with it, but it was troubled times. Everybody listened to it back and didn't really like it, and we didn't really want to put it out. So later down the line, Klein, this guy Alan Klein, brought Phil Spector and said, well, what do you think about Phil looking at the record? So at least John and I said, yeah, let's see. We liked Phil Spector. We loved all his records. So let him do it and he did what he did and then you know everybody knows the rest and so he was around and one day um, I was with Phil and I was on my way to Abbey Road to do Instant Karma and so I made Phil go with me and you know that's how he got to do that record as well that was how we first started working with him I tell you one thing there's sickness going on and there's some good people doing work in hospitals but they got no bread to do it on not only are they working in a miserable condition with sick people but this they're scraping the barrel for funds to keep going